Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Use Guys and That podcast. You can find us across all podcatchers, and our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is at UseGuysPod. Email us at info at useguyspod.com or useguysandthat at gmail.com. You can find our entire podcast library at useguysandthat.podbean.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Use Guys and That podcast for a bonus episode this weekend. Uh, today, we have the great honor and pleasure of having Mr. Pete Quinones join us. Uh, I, his his resume doesn't need to be repeated. If you guys listen to the show, I guarantee you, you've heard him or have watched his documentary, The Monopoly on Violence. Pete, thank you very much for joining us today. No problem. It's great to be here. Uh, I've never I've, been, this is the first time I've been on a show with this many people. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's always even, good. Uh, even punk rock libertarians had less than, <laughs> had one less than this. All right. Well, I guess there's the first for everything, I suppose. Um, I want to, first of all, Mazel Tov on the documentary. Uh, we've all watched it. We, we, we love it. And uh, as, Multiple times. <laughs> the, as of the writing of this, uh, uh, or excuse me, the recording of this show, you have almost 87,000 views on YouTube, which is a serious deal. Uh, congratulations. But I'd like to know if you wouldn't mind taking us through the journey uh, from concept to the finished product, when did you start thinking about making the documentary? And if there were any other topics you considered prior to going ahead with this project? Well, I didn't have anything to do with the the, the literal genesis of it. Um, that was Chris Kofer. He approached Robert Rex. They decided that it was a good idea. We were all here in Atlanta at the time. And then, of course, Chris moves half, moves all the way across the country friggin Oregon and just messes us messes us all up and everything um but Chris came up with the idea approached Robert and then they approached me and they told me what I mean brought me an outline showed me who they wanted to interview and I was like all right you know I don't know anything about this but I know how to contact people and ask them for interviews and I know how to write interview questions so um sure yeah all right let, let's try this and it took a while after that we uh we had to incorporate become a corporation not my not, not my favorite word in the world <laughs> and then when we had our meeting our first meeting to lay it out and put it on a whiteboard and look what how it was going to be structured then i was like okay this this is going to be interesting so of course from there it's like okay when do we have these interviews when can we do these interviews and it was about a month before Anarchapulco 2019. So we're meeting January of 2019. And Chris and Roberts, I had to go to, when Anarchapulco was going on, I was in New Hampshire at Freedom, at Liberty Forum. So they decided to go down to Anarchapulco and do a couple of initial interviews. So um, Eric July was interviewed down there. Larkin Rose was interviewed down there. Um, there was a couple a couple other people who were interviewed that um, like Jed Licka, who is the president of Lieberland. Um, we interviewed him. That didn't make it into it. And so then it was like, OK. How do we inter we need to interview a bunch more people? How do we how do we do it? And I said, best idea is wait till Mises University in July in July, because there's going to be a ton of people there. And if you watch the inter if you watch the documentary, you see that a, a great deal of the interviewers are sitting basically in the same yep. chair Absolutely. in the same setting. <laughs> and that was, I think, the second week in July of last year of 2019. 
at Mises University and just for four days us going, okay, so you're not you're not doing a lecture right now. Can you come up and answer some questions? So just dragging people up there and getting that done. And then there was Chris had to do like an East Coast run where he got Maj Ture. Then he came down and he interviewed me and then he went and interviewed Tom Woods. So that was like a long trip. You know, he like started in New York. He got Sally Agorist in Jersey. Like he flew into New York, got Sally Agorist in Jersey, drove all the way down, got Maj in Philly, came down, got me. And then he got, went down all the way to Orlando and got um, Tom. And then the Texas trip, which was flying in and getting Kinsella, getting Ron Paul and driving, then driving an hour south after getting Kinsella and getting Ron Paul and getting uh, Daniel McAdams and then driving back up to Houston, dropping someone off and then driving to New Orleans to get Walter Block and then driving back to Austin, back to Texas to get um, Scott Horton, Max Borders. And I, I don't remember if there was anyone else on on that Austin trip. And then when he left there, he went, he flew to Denver to get uh, Michael Humer. Oh, wow. That's quite a yeah. trip. Yeah, that that was quite a trip for Chris. I, I talked to him through that trip. Um, Chris did that. Phil, um, Phil from, um, God, what is the name of his podcast? Phil Gibson. I can't remember his podcast now. I, I, sorry, Phil. Um, he helped, he helped him with the Ron, with, uh, Kinsella and Ron Paul and Daniel McAdams. And he helped him when he came, he didn't go to New Orleans with him, but he, when he came back, he helped him for, um, the Austin people for, for Scott and for Max. And then Chris went off there and then our, um, we had another, we had someone who lives in, um, San Francisco area who got David Friedman and um, Thaddeus Russell. And I I'm kicking myself now because I can't remember who that was. Really? Don't, don't drink people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect. This is a perfect commercial for not drinking. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, damn it. it's okay. And, I forget stuff all the time. So, you know, you're forgiven. <laughs> I, I mean, his name's in the credits. I've talked to him. It's like, what am I doing? What's wrong with me right now? Um, but so once we got that, once we got that done, those interviews done, then it was like, all right, do we want to interview anyone else? And it, there were other people we wanted to interview, but it just ran out of money because traveling was what basically ate up the whole budget. I can imagine. And, and yeah, Chris, yeah. So Chris decided he was going to edit it himself. And then um, Killian was doing the narration. So, you know, we would send him things to read and stuff like that. And then Chris just started putting it together. And it took, oh, God, I would say he started editing it in February or March. Yeah. And it was like the, end, the last week in May. And even after we released it, like the one that you that, – with the 87,000 views, that one's not perfect. The sound on that is there music's too loud in some points, the audio, there's some audio issues. Um, then we did, we remixed it. There's a 4k version, which is the download that's on our website that you can do, get for 10 bucks. That's like perfect. That's the one that we submitted to Amazon and has been in hold in Amazon's queue for over a hundred days now. Oh brother. 
<laughs> is there any plan to like how long how much longer do you think it's going to be before you could start seeing distribution at least physically or do you plan to do that physical distribution well i mean we have we've made blu-rays like one of the promises we made for anybody who donated over a certain amount of money to the crowdfund was that they'd get a blu-ray of it and people really wanted the blu-ray i don't even have a blu-ray player so but i, I guess people have ps4s and stuff so sure yeah um I, I don't so i just don't have to, i don't have time to game <laughs> um so yeah so we have blu-rays and i i can't remember the last time i talked to chris he said that we we may have been okayed to sell them on amazon so they okayed us to sell blu-rays on amazon but they won't let us stream it they're from what i understand the average wait time when somebody submits like a documentary or something to Amazon, as long as there's not human sacrifice in it is like two to four days. And it's been over a hundred days. That's kind of wow. ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I guess uh, the agenda peaks its head again. Uh, whatever. If it, I'm, I'm sure if it was, I, and I've been saying this since the beginning, since, since all this started, I'm sure that if it was about violent anarchism in the streets, it would have been like the first day. Oh yeah. It would have right. been, been green lit a long time Guaranteed. ago. Guaranteed. But you know, that, but you know, all the, all the Nazis that we got to be in it and talk in it, you know, the ones talking about peace and nonviolence, right. You know, that, 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 <laughs> right. That, that can't True be done. Not the ideals. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I, I did appreciate the part in the documentary where you do like, you know, there's a, that portion where you, uh, you know, you get into the origins of anarchism and you, you give a little you give credit to, of course, the, the people on the so-called left, because I think there's a lot of people there's they're like, oh, how can you be on the left side if you're an anarchist? And it's like, well, you're, you're kind of forgetting about how this all got started. You know what I mean? So I thought that that was really awesome because you give everybody an excellent taste. Of what, and then the buildup, of course, to, to being an ANCAP and being an agorism, of course. So I thought that was incredibly well done. Um, and you did have literally an all-star team. Like, I would, that's that was an excellent explanation because there were so many awesome people that you talked to uh, that, that, that were interviewed uh, for that. And, you know, the cool thing is I was telling Brian, one of our co-hosts here, that uh, that's I, I tell people, like, you should watch this and you'll discover that tax, regular taxation wasn't – it didn't happen all the time. It was maybe once a year. And a lot of people look at you like you just spoke a different language. They're like, what are you talking about? It doesn't happen all – it didn't – really? It was only once in a while, and that's when people started, like, running to the woods and shit and trying to get away from the tax man. And there's a lot of ballads about that. It threw, I mean, I know that there's Irish ones. Robin, Robin Hood, I mean. Yeah, really. The whole thing of Robin Hood, yeah. yeah. But the – um we – you know, talking about left anarchism, uh, I think as as Tom Woods put it, when he saw it, he said, um, "I don't. If this was a left anarchist movie, I don't think they'd be giving us a uh, a fair shake, as fair a shake as that we gave." But we asked left anarchists to be in it. I mean, two specifically, we wanted David Graeber, rest in peace. He just died, yep. you know, like a month and a half ago. We wanted him to be able to contrast James Scott in the beginning, and I actually gotten okay from him even though he lives in england we had somebody in london who has the same equipment as us so mm -hmm. it would have it would have fit and everything and he just stopped re responding to emails um and then i i mean i asked chomsky and chomsky said no so you know i was trying to get people on the left in there it's just did, you know couldn't so did the best that we could with that um with that center part 
Well, I think it was excellent. Now, you know, it's unfortunate because that would have been a good platform for people who have only heard uh, Nam's name repeated in echo chambers on the right about him being, you know, whatever they demonize him as you know, being. I've read his book on anarchism, and you, you don't have to agree with anything, but he's an excellent linguist. I mean, he's a tremendous author. So it would have been a great opportunity for people to have those, two, you know, those contrary opinions, at least so they can make their own decision. But um, as far as, you know, like... You work a full-time job, and you do all of this top-tier content, you know, from the podcast and, of course, the documentary and, you know, the articles that you produce on a regular basis. I'm personally curious, like, how many hours do you dedicate per week to podcasting and writing? I guess the best thing about still having a part uh, a full-time job is I'm the boss, so yeah. I can pretty much do stuff at work. You know, I, I wrote two crappy books a couple of years ago and I wrote both of them at work <laughs> on, on the clock. So, Excellent. Um, you know, and a lot of what I do, you know, like people, people have asked me, well, how come you don't have someone who edits your podcast for you? It's like, because I have all this time at work that I can do it. You know? so it's like, why would I, why, why would I spend the money? You know, I'm actually getting paid to do it when I'm at work, you know, it's, so, excellent. it's actually in the reverse, you know, it's reversed, Makes but perfect economic sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I just have a lot of time at work to do stuff. So you know, I record mostly on Saturdays today being a Saturday, I have two other, like I said, I'm recording two episodes for my podcast and I'm recording episode 500 today. Mazel oh, tov. Wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, which is going to be cool, which awesome. is going to, it's just going to freak everyone the fuck out. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. When, when, they hear, when, when they hear the subject, oh my God. I, it's like, I can't wait for the hate, but, um, excellent. <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, I'm, I, I've been going nuts lately, man. I'm, I'm interviewing a very, very, an ancom next week that a lot of people a lot of people know their name oh really know his know his name and um oh. yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be a shock me um i'm actually aaron from friends against government is gonna be my co-host on that one so that's gonna be that's great perfect. the marxist leninist that would be, <laughs> be perfect that is perfect man but dude and, you, you gotta get the, the person the person we're interviewing may actually even live in russia really oh mm. Interesting. Tremendous. I can't wait. <laughs> I literally can't wait. That's why I'm glad I'm a patron, because I get to hear that before the rest of the hoi polloi. <laughs> I'm well, super stoked. Uh, episode, one thing, I, I, I apologize to the patrons right now. Episode 500, I'm not going to release early, because I don't want anyone to know about it. I want it, I want it to be a surprise. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But, um, but it's actually someone who's been on the show before. It's just the, um, he's been on the show once, but the content's going to be kind of uh kind of outrageous all right yes yeah, so, so yeah so my time i mean i have a lot of time at work that i can i get a lot of things done i write a lot at work um and then wednesdays i have three days off a week wednesday uh saturday and sunday so i try to make sunday for just me and jen but you know sometimes you have to schedule stuff on sunday too so i try and do mostly everything on wednesday and saturday Excellent. Jen works. Jen work, works on Wednesday and Saturday. We're not home. Sunday's our only day together. So, yeah. yeah, fair enough. You definitely need a day to decompress as much as you can, as much as you're doing. On top of that, um, right. the next question I have now. This is, I guess, you know, you brought up Aaron, so I guess this kind of fought. Like I, I think of him when I see this word. What writings radicalized you, Pete? What brought you to be to take such a radical opinion, if you will? Well, 
You know, it's it's funny because I don't really think that I was very radical until about a year, year and a half ago. Um, I thought I was just a plumb line libertarian. I had some views that I kept to myself because I didn't want to shock, pe you know, shock people and things. But um, I think um, Mencius Mulbug's article, Why I'm Not a Libertarian, that messed my head up a lot. Okay. Um, um, the book that he recommends, The Machiavellians by James Burnham, that really, um, once you read that book and you understand it, you're going to want to read it again. Um, I think that one of the biggest problems with libertarians, and and I'm talking all stripes, agorists, ANCAPs, whatever, mm. is they understand political violence. They understand the violence of the state clearly. They don't understand political power. They don't understand how that power is centralized and how power is used to centralize even more power. And that's something that once you read Burnham, you're just like, okay, I mean, there's really, there's no fighting the state. I mean, the state, you're, it's just going to have to fall apart or I mean, it's especially the way it's, this one's designed where it's so decentralized. I mean, it's like, if you have a monarchy, at least you know where to point the guns. Right. I mean, what do you what do you do here? Who? I mean, you cut the head off one snake. Is there's ten? There's two million, three million snakes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what do you do? It's like a hundred. Um, yeah. So that and um, I think Aaron getting me to read Lenin and Trotsky over the last eight eight nine months really uh really messed me up a lot. <laughs> For sure, man. For really sure. messed me up a lot. Yeah. I, um. I don't consider myself an accelerationist, but I definitely understand the benefit in radicalizing two groups against each other so that other people, people who other people can step back and look and watch them decimate each other. So that may be that to me seems to be something that is uh, could be considered radical, very radical. But um something that i've i've adopted for sure yeah. well that's excellent and, you know aaron has been my uh my man crush because the way he attacked the ancoms from the left i have absolutely been in love with that man since i watched him do it and i'm not ashamed of it like and, and he's the one who told me he's like you need to read lenin and you need to read stalin so i finally read stalin and we did a blog post on it on our website and I, you know, I said, you know, these ANCOMs who consistently like, you know, will gravitate towards that side, like if they're not going to be true anarcho-communists and they're actually going to get involved and, quote, use the state like Marx wanted them to. Like you guys obviously didn't read what Stalin said. He literally said that you are the enemy of Marxism. You don't you don't even know that he hates you as much as he hates the rest of us. You know, and that was a big eye opener for me. Like, I didn't realize that it went that deep. And those writings were from 1905 and 1906. So this has been around for a while, you know. Yeah, Lenin really helped me out a lot, and especially State and Revolution, because he's mostly using Engels in that. And he's and I've said this before on podcast on on my own podcast, that it's really crazy how when you read Rothbard and you read Lenin, they structure their arguments the same way, but and come to a different conclusion. It's almost I, I almost think that Rothbard read a ton of Lenin and you know, learned how to structure arguments by by reading Lenin. And um, but one thing that from reading Lenin and reading Engels is 
I'm convinced is that they're those guys hated the anarchists. They used them as useful idiots. You know, the anarchists just wanted to overthrow the state. But I think Engels and Lenin knew rightly that if the state was just overthrown without any kind of plan in place, that it was just going to the people who own the state now are just going to buy it right back or build right back. So right. I'm not I'm not one of those people like I mean. If okay, so Rothbard's button. Do you hate the state? Will you press a button in the state? Sure, I'll do it. But I know it's not gonna. I, I know it's not gonna do anything. It's probably just gonna hurt a lot of. A lot of people are gonna get hurt. It has to be done in a certain way, and if it's not done in a certain way, then you're just gonna get which you're, you're gonna get a lot of people in pain, and the same and those people who are in pain are just gonna look at the same people who are running things now, just like at when Ceausescu was killed in 1989 in Romania. And they held elections, and who did they elect? They elected the same communist leaders that worked with Ceausescu. Right, and exactly. That's exactly what. That's exactly how it happens. Yeah, and you that you went from that moment. I'll never forget watching. Like, I, I'm the oldest one out of this group. I'm I'm going to be 41, but I remember watching that on television in the schoolhouse. I remember seeing that in the schoolhouse, and they were like that sham trial that he and his wife were in, and they literally just said, "Hey, you know what? You're guilty. We're gonna real." And then they wheeled them out into the into the courtyard and just opened up and, and mag dumped on on both of them. And you know, yeah, you're right. They're like, "We're gonna have elections," and it's the same fuckers that were with working him with him. Yeah, it's you're 100 percent right. There's no argument there. So. Um, and the status quo is maintained. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, There's the illusion of choice, though. Oh yeah, <laughs> it is the illusion of choice. One hundred. You are. You have free will. <laughs> you sure do. Vote harder. Uh, this is a. This is not. This is not a silly question, and I really mean this. Why do statists think that roads are the greatest achievement in the history of the state? Like, I, I really want to know what your take is. I, I sincerely am flabbergasted by that's usually the go-to. Uh, I'm the oldest one on this uh, on this podcast right now, um, and when I went to school, I don't remember ever learning in civics or anything because they had civics when I went. Mm. And I don't remember learning anything about the roads, so I don't remember them explaining how they were paid for, how they were built. You know, I didn't learn that. I didn't really care about any of that until you become a libertarian and people start throwing roads at you. But the um, I assume that it's just a trope that's picked up somewhere in school now, or taught in school somewhere. And it's just one of those things that, you know, they, you know, and, and what's funny is it's like, if you're talking about income tax, okay. If I say, uh, why should I have to pay income tax? Well, what about the roads in Georgia? Income tax doesn't pay for the roads. The roads are paid for by, by gasoline tax. So I drive a car, I'm paying for the roads. Yep. And I think that's true in most states. I'm not sure. But I know it's true in Ohio. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, if you drive, if you basically, if you use the roads, you pay for the roads. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're an anarchist or not, or if you're not <laughs> paying income tax. It doesn't matter. You are paying for the roads. So it's, I, I always point that out to them. And then it's just cognitive dissonance. And it's like, blah, 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 blah. You want people to die. So <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's true. That's true. Uh, I always get confused why they point to the roads as like the top tier thing because the roads are all shit like potholes and everything like why is that your go-to you know civilization no I mean it's like why why is the roads because they're so shit why is that your go-to like I don't get it I don't know and you know in Atlanta the worst 
road conditions are in Buckhead, and Buckhead is the one of the richest neighborhoods on the planet. <laughs> I mean, one of the top down, one of the richest neighborhoods. I, I can take you down streets in Buckhead where you're just like twenty million dollar house, twenty million dollar wow. house, twenty million twenty million dollar house, and it's and it's like there are men just all over the place there. And I mean, there's a lot of wealth there and it's not, and, and, and most of it's not new wealth. It's a lot of, most of it's old money mm. and the roads are, and my wife, she pointed this out when we used to, she used to be like, I'd be like, you know, it's quicker if we go down that road. She's like, you remember driving down that road the last time? I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, hor they're horrible. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So it's like, I mean, I, I I assume these people are paying taxes in some way, shape, or form. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's gas tax. I mean, how how is the gas tax? I, mean, I don't get it, man. My, my, the only conclusion I came to is why a lot of those roads are two way mm -hmm. or, or just two lane, mm -hmm. and the those rich and wealthy people that you know I'll never be um, are just like uh, we'd rather drive on crappy roads and have to and have to pay for new suspension every couple of years than you impede our progress for a few days and we have to drive somewhere else or turn around and go another <laughs> way or mm -hmm. you know wait and everything i mean that's the only thing i can come up with yeah that's i, I think that that's a very uh that's that's definitely a possibility that's definitely sound logic <laughs> yeah for sure uh christopher i'm gonna kick it off to you man go ahead all right, yeah, I got a couple questions. I'm I'm just gonna rearrange the order because the my last question that Jay sent in the notes is more relevant to what we were recently talking about. But uh, uh, like due to like a certain level of like anon anonymity on Twitter, um, like I I know I myself have a tendency to be far more open about my anarchism than say like on Facebook where I've got like a lot more close friends, family, coworkers that are essentially like status quo you know they believe in the whole right left paradigm you know democrat republican neocon neolib whatever um uh so yeah I'm, I'm a lot more tame on facebook um sort of like you know like almost like living like in a duality there um so i guess like in relation to that like in your personal life like has there ever been any sort of like opposition that you faced say from like close friends or family or anybody of that nature due to your personal ideology not really. Um, obviously, when I first started doing this, going by Mance Raider and then Pete Raymond, I was trying to keep some kind of anonymity. And most of that had to do with work. I just didn't. I, I work for a foreign company that is they were on the woke, they were on the woke stuff decades, you know, a decade mm -hmm. before here. You know, so every year I have to watch this video about how to talk to be, you know, how you can't talk to Jane or you can't talk to Joe and everything. And I literally have to sign something that says, if I violate these, I get fired. And, you know, and no, you know, with no hope of unemployment or anything like that. So the, um, yeah. So I was just careful. And then one day I just sat down with my next up in command. And I said, look, I have this podcast. A lot of people can find it offensive. Um, I'm also active on social media. I'm way worse on social media. Um, is this going to be a problem? And he sat down with his high, his higher up, and they were just like, "We don't care." Said as long as as long as the I think the the only way it could be a problem is if it found it, its way to. It seems like the North American corporate office is fine with it. If it made its way to the other the home country's corporate office, there could be a problem, you know. But that it seems like. I'm well liked enough that they would try to keep it 
keep it in North America, you know? So, um, and as far as like social media goes, um, like my Facebook account, when I created that Facebook account, basically just for po- to advertise podcasting and all that I do, I blocked everyone I know personally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just literally went and I like my brother, my, bro- you know, my brother's wife, um, people I went to high school with, people who, you know, who people I went to high school with who know when I when I go when I go to New York, I hang out with them. And they they know who I am. But still, I don't want them to comment and then like one of their normie friends to come in and I have to kill them. You know, and, <laughs> and, and, and I don't I don't want to piss everyone off. And then most of the people I know aren't on Twitter. So um yeah, I mean, most people consider Twitter to be like the Facebook people that I know that are real hardcore Facebook, like Chris, like my two partners, Chris and Robert, they're not on Twitter. Uh, they won't go near Twitter. Really? <laughs> they're just like, yeah, they're like, that, that just doesn't look good. And they really, come on, Twitter's successful. Oh, it's, yeah. It, it's terrible. <laughs> It, right, it's the right. it's the worst it, it's the worst of humanity and it's the worst <laughs> of humanity being able to be um anonymous so right. you, you throw that anonymity in there i mean and you see how blue check marks act you see how people on tv people in movies i mean they say stuff that they would never say to your face and oh, i'm yeah. one of those people i'm gladly you know like yesterday king lalbert chris spangle you know i i, I retweeted you know, a stupid thing that he did. And I mean, if he ever, I'm just don't come up to me if you're ever at a conference with me. I mean, (laughs) I'm going to say the same stuff to your face that I say on Facebook, you know, on social media. And I have no problem with that. You know, I mean, I've met people that I've had problems with on social media and they came up to me and they're like, can we, you know, we know how social media is. That's, you know, it, it just got hot and everything. And I understand that. You know, and it's like, yeah, yeah, sure, man. Let's let's go get a drink or something like that. But there are some people I just don't like, and somebody who accused me of wanting to own slaves because I don't support Black Lives Matter. <laughs> Fuck you! Wow. Yeah. Fuck yeah, that's, that's a bit you. of a leap in logic there. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you need to virtue signal for your because you're on. Well, you're not even a co-host with a black woman. You're just there to run the sound and be belittled by her. Like a little cuck. You know? <laughs> so. That's embarrassing. Like clearly, they've that this individual must have not listened to anything you've said over the years. Like that is so inconsistent right. with you as a human being, and and what you stand for is the most ridiculous thing. I, I I'm always taken aback by people coming to these ridiculous conclusions, and I mean absurd conclusions about individuals. It's like, have you been listening to anything that anybody's been saying? I mean, it's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. But everyone will listen to what they have to say, though, and then they'll take that and run with it, and then you're canceled. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, and it's like, um, I I think Dave does a really good job of pointing out that these people who are so critical of libertarians that they see as right wing, you know, like hardcore right wing libertarians and everything. And these are people who've never brought anybody over to the ideas of liberty or anything like that. They're not, nobody's going to them for asking them to be on podcasts so that they can hear their ideas. I mean, these just aren't thought leaders. These are people who are just, I mean, for lack of a better term, and I've done it in the past and I apologize for it. And I take my, my licks for it is punching up. You know, they're basically punching up. So got it. Yeah. That makes sense. It makes sense. Go, go ahead. Christopher. Um, Sorry. Yeah. 
no, that's all right. Um, so like who who are uh like your top three favorite guests on your podcast that you've had and why? David Thibodeau, Survivor of Waco. Um yeah, I mean Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was a hard podcast to record because we we mar- we marathoned it. And um yeah, when you're you're trying to record and you're you know, I have I have a um a mute button and everything and we didn't do video and it's like, okay, I don't want him to hear me crying. Um yep. you know, so yeah, I'm, thanks for going on for 20 minutes on your own so I can get my composure here. Um, <laughs> um, Curtis Yarvin, Menchus Moldbug. I thought that was a great episode. And um, yeah, he's just great. I I like the way he thinks. I like the way he pushes the envelope. And third, I don't know, man. I um, As far as like just comfort and being able to just have relaxed conversations and be able to say anything is bird. I mean, bird is just like one of the best people I know. I mean, we, I mean, every time I go to New York, we get together and you know, have a meal, have something to drink and other things. And, um, you know, I just, I mean, I've done now so many episodes with him. He's probably, he's going to be probably um, closing in on Scott I don't know. I've had to have Scott twenty five on twenty to twenty five times. I was gonna but... say I know you've had Scott Horton on there a lot, <laughs> and we that appreciate it. We appreciate it. Well, I love. I, I'm sorry. I, I just want to say thanks for keeping. Thanks for bringing Scott back on. Like every time he comes on, I feel like I'm while I'm driving to work. I'm like shit. I gotta look that up. Shit. I gotta write that down. Shit. I gotta rewind that. I didn't. Wait, let me hear it one more time. Like no, that man is on fire. Like he is on fire. And when you ask me a question, you know, who are the top three? I mean, really, the way that should be phrased is besides Scott Horton, who are your three favorites? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, felt Scott... like I was I was I was honestly expecting Scott Horton to be yeah. on there. But since you put it like that, makes yeah, well, perfect I mean, sense now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it's like, you know, and also it's like at first the first time I had him on, it was like, I mean, we followed each other on on Twitter and we had talked a couple of times. You know, we had conversed a couple of times in DM. Now I get him, you know. I just we're partners basically, you know, at the Libertarian Institute. So I know him and I've hung out with him and his family. So it's like it's easy to forget Scott, but I mean, obviously Scott's the greatest guest that anyone can ever have on a podcast because who are you going to have on? I mean, there are people you can name, but when you think about in this realm that know what they're talking about as well as he does. I mean, he's not gonna I mean, and he's one of those people too. Like at the end, at the, at the end of the episode, he'll be like, he'll he'll rescan everything he said in his head and go, "Man, I think I made a mistake on that." <laughs> and I'm like, "How do you do that?" Like, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember half the stuff I've said right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that three part episode that you did with him just a couple weeks ago, going over like all the wars from like World War II all the way up to to modern day was that that was phenomenal man and just hearing him oh four part my bad uh but just hearing him like go just go off the top of his head with all that stuff like like you said like how he can just go back like that just that blows my mind man like how he just literally just recounts everything and it's just it flows from like mind to mouth just bam out there you know it was in that whole thing it was like up until world war ii i was with him on most of the wars i was pretty good on 
because I had studied Revolution 1812. Spanish-American sure. I really wasn't good on. Civil War, you know, obviously. Um, once you start getting up to World War One or World War Two, then it's like... Um, and then w- once you start getting into the you know, the Middle East Wars, I'm lost. I mean, I just... I. I know what happened. I can't. I can't remember those names. I can't remember the places. Sure. It's just there's too much. It's too complicated. You know. <laughs> sure. But it's like. But but it's like he said. You know. I know what Don Mattingly's batting average was in 1984. <laughs> <laughs> he goes. You can remember this. He goes. If you can remember that, you can remember this. <laughs> Fair enough. I will say, like you know, to to you know, back up what what Chris was saying about like your your top three. I will tell you that. The reason why there's a huge reason why we're doing this show and it's definitely inspired by your work because I, I'll never forget the first time I heard Keith Preston's voice. And I, I remember I was walking my dog and I'm listening to this man just fire stuff off just like, you know, just like machine gun fire of, of information and history because it was the uh, the schools of anarchism show. And that's the first time I was introduced to Mr. Preston. And I, and I remember listening to that podcast that you did with him at least 13 or 14 times. I think it was 14 times that I had to keep listening to it over and over again because I was taken aback by how much information this man had at the top of his head. So I was like, man, if I ever get to do a podcast, that's definitely somebody I want to talk to. And, I, and we've been able to do that. But that he's he's like that may i that level of um of memory that that level of understanding and being able not only just to you know to spit facts at you but to explain you know the you know the actual philosophies behind some of these uh these schools of anarchism for you know an example like breaking it down that for me was huge you know so i have to thank you for that because i i would have never i would have never heard of him if it wasn't for you so that's definitely from my end thank you well there's a funny story about that uh, episode is um that's the first time I ever got attacked for a guest. By really? Mm-hmm. Why? It's what's so controversial about him. He he might have some personal views that are controversial. Oh okay. Yeah. So I mean I'm not going to get into it right now. I mean, no, of course not. Have, if you ever if you ever have him back on, ask him. Ask him why. Ask him why a lot of left libertarians hate his guts. All right, I, I will definitely. He'll, he'll explain it to you. Last time I was on in the beginning, in the beginning of the episode, I, I addressed it. Um, this was back in God, June, July. Okay, we, we addressed it at the beginning of the episode. So, yeah, it it always comes back to that same subject. So, but, you know, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, we're we're going to be talking to him in December, so I'm definitely going to. Uh, I'll definitely ask, ask him. Say, why do some left? Just ask. Well, why do some left anar- Why do some left libertarians and left anarchists hate you? he'll tell you fair enough fair enough i'll let him i'll let him explain i could explain it perfectly but i'll let him explain no no that's quite all right man that's quite all right i've read a couple of articles like um the back and forth that he's done with some organizations where he's addressed things that he's been attacked for and specifically i know that he doesn't like he he went after not he didn't go after but he kind of talked about kevin carson who's pretty famous for being a mutualist and i think he's didn't he do work for the center for the stateless society if i'm not mistaken that kevin carson um, yeah, there was uh, there was something to do where like they you know, they can't stand each other. But I will definitely I will definitely ask him. So I'm I'm sorry. I had to interject that. I had to thank you for Keith Preston. Sorry, Chris. Go oh, ahead. yeah, he's oh, yeah, he's um, Keith is God, he's a fountain of knowledge. I mean, it's just ridiculous how much he can rattle off the top of his head. I mean, Scott, very much like Scott Horton. Yep. Yeah. Right. Right. Right up that alley for sure. Because like, I know we've had what Keith on twice. Yep. And like both times, I'm like, I'm like just like so quiet the whole time because I just like I like listening to him talk because it's just 
a fountain of knowledge and it's like man like i i need to soak this in <laughs> uh so I've, I've got one more question um dog dog in the <laughs> shot <laughs> uh and I, I what inspired this question is that it was somewhat recently i remember uh, on your podcast like somebody had asked you what the what had inspired you to start your podcast and you said like hubris uh, would you give me a bit of a chuckle? Uh, but I, I was wondering, like, was there was there ever any guests that you've had on that 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 humbled you with their their knowledge or their expertise? Um, and if so, who was it? I mean, besides Scott Horton. Yeah, besides <laughs> Scott Horton. <laughs> right. All questions besides Scott Horton. <laughs> yeah, right, right. We have, we have to do the the, the Horton qualifier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've only had David Gordon on once, and that was to talk about you know, what books he would recommend to somebody who was like a new libertarian. Um, I don't know that he humbled me in that episode, but I've spent time with the man privately, and I'm sorry, man. I just, I've never, he, it, he has to have a, a photographic memory. There's just no way. I've seen him pick up books and put it this way i i put i put a picture of a book up to him that i had taken it's a a rare edition of bombawork's take on marx and i i found it on ebay and someone didn't know what they had they were selling it buy it now for like 5 bucks and i was like okay yeah let me get this so i took a picture of it and i held it up to david gordon and he goes yeah that's like 1948 and the guy, I remember he used to go to meetings of the old right in New York and the address on there showing for the publishing company is actually his home address. I think he sold that in 1972. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> and I'll, and that's just David David Gordon is I have to get him back on for just anything to talk about anything, but he's just absolutely amazing. You know, I asked him about like um you can I think he's memorized all of no, uh, Nozick's uh Utopia uh what is it, State and Utopia? And he I think he memorized the whole knows the whole book. And I, I mean there's just He's the nicest guy when you meet him in person. I've met him many times in person at the at the institute. Um, the nicest guy always has a joke ready. Once he gets to know you, the joke is usually going to probably even insult me uh, because it's so bad. But um, <laughs> it's <laughs> but he um, yeah. I mean, no one. You talk to this person, you get to know him, and you joke with him, and then you it snaps into your head that you're like. Rothbard said that this is the smartest man he ever met. You know, so yeah, I think David Gordon. I mean, it was so great having him in the documentary, uh, even for that little bit, just explaining, um, talking about Murray's importance, and yeah, I, that's one one of the things I'm most happy about, especially in the documentary, was being able to have David Gordon in there. Very so, cool. Yeah, he's yeah he's somebody who um, I enjoy his company. We laugh. 
he, my birthday was this past Wednesday and he hit me up through Facebook Messenger to wish me happy birthday. Aww. You know, so it's like I didn't expect that from David Gordon. And it was, you know, it was so sweet and um he's just the nicest guy, but I don't think I don't think there's a mind on the planet like that right now at all. Really odd. That's awesome. I, I just want to say odd. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. Um, does anybody, I want to kick it out to the floor, unless Christopher, if you have anything else, I'd like to kick it off to uh, to Brian over there or if Angel, if they have anything before we wrap up. Yeah, go ahead and kick it off, man. Uh, I mean, the only question I have, I feel like doesn't even really apply to what we've been talking about. But I remember seeing, I think it was earlier this week on Twitter, you were talking about magic and like what it means to people or i think your words were for those who understand it like what are some times that you realized you've used it and like how it affected i i can't remember exactly but i just remember staring at that and i was like what does he actually mean because i feel like i have some comp or i had previously some complicated idea of what the idea of it is but the more i've thought about it i'm like maybe it's not actually that complicated but that i don't know that just kind of stuck out to me and i wondered what exactly you were talking about it's really just being able to use your mind and being able to use words to move people, to move people or groups of people. And I think that in the ep the last episode that Vin Armani and I did, there was no better example than the last 10 minutes of that episode where he talked about the Declaration of Independence, said, we hold these truths to be self-evident. And what does self-evident mean and why, you know, endowed by endowed by our creator, these rights are inherent endowed by our creator. It's like, okay, well now you're talking about, and I don't know if there are any theists on this, uh, on this panel. I don't, I don't ever mean to insult people um, because I do respect religion. Sure. Um, I respect people's beliefs. I don't, I don't respect organized religion. I, I respect people's beliefs. Absolutely. And, um, but that's magic you basically came up with a document and you moved enough of the population to basically create a, a movement that you know, Ron Paul would say was probably the, what you know, the whole declaration of independence on into the constitution that birthed libertarianism into the world, you know, at, at some point. And it was based on magic. It was based on, yeah, there's this guy that we can't see and he gives us all these rights and everything and screw you if you don't, if you don't believe us. And that it moved, it changed the world. Think about it. So you know, it was words on paper and a belief in something that many say doesn't exist nobody can really prove exists i mean you know, materially sure right so that, that's i think that's probably you know if someone wanted to ask about magic the declaration of independence and the founding of the country was based all off of magic it was based off of faith sheer force of will yeah force of will is another force of will is another good one too i think Vin actually uses that term force of will yeah. all right well thank you yeah that's that's what i got yeah, I mean, if you're changing, if you're moving people, if you're changing people, if you're, if you have a podcast that people say, hey, I, I, I believe this way, now I believe that way. That's magic. You used words to do it. I mean, it's really, there's, that's not rational. It's, it's really not, <laughs> it's, it's not rational that my words can cause people to think 
a completely different way. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, who am I? Right. Where am I getting my authority from? No, it's I, almost, uh, yeah. I maybe don't know. Mag- <laughs> maybe magic's not the best term, but I mean, it's one that people understand. It is one that people will listen to. Right. It gets people's attention. It's like, yeah, all right, it's- what is what is this lunatic talking about? <laughs> yeah, because I was like, all right, what? Because like I've heard, I guess previously every time I've thought about it, it's been like, all right, it's always been linked in with like the whole astrology or like people reading tarot cards or like fortune telling that kind of stuff. But I'm like, it doesn't like. I mean, it, I guess it could be whatever you want it to be, but for some reason, seeing it in that thread, I was like, why? I wonder why he's talking about it like that. But then it's like, yeah, exactly what you said. And it has the power to change the way people think. And I've come, I guess, my entire background as a person, everything that's from a real scientific cause and effect point of view. And it's like recently I've kind of, I don't know if being forced is the right way to explain it, but it's just like take stock of everything and also see everything through like this new lens. And it's like, I don't even really know how it got there, but it's like, here we are. And I'm looking at all this stuff. And I, it's all these new ideas that I'm confronted with. And it's like, are these any more or less real than the ones that I was studying forever? And it's like, what gives each of those value and how do they stack up? So credible thought experiments so far. And I'm glad, I'm glad that I saw what you said, though, because, again, it just feeds right into well, it. For people who like to worship the hard sciences and science in general, I like to quote Tesla, who said that, as soon as as soon as scientists start studying the unseen, the <laughs> I think you know what I mean. I no, I That's literally it. somebody told me the same quote like a week ago, and I can't remember yeah. it exactly either. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember. As soon as they as soon as they start studying what can't be seen and concentrating on that, you will have more advances in a decade than you have in all centuries previous in science. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, maybe. Um, but you know, since science is mostly government funded, but you would think you could be get some, you can get government funding to do that if you can get government funding to see how cocaine, you know, affects turkeys. You know, I mean, <laughs> is it any? Is it? Is it any? Is it any more? To, how how much harder would it be? Okay, we want to study dark matter. Well, dark matter doesn't exist. Well, let us prove that. Give us twenty trillion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you you would think you get some politician to do that to, yeah, to, to at least advocate for that. <laughs> that was a really excellent question, Brian. Thank you for yeah. uh, thank you for saying that. Um, oh, thank you very much, uh, Angel, uh, Comrade Commissar, Showmaster, Showrunner, and you know, Soundboard <laughs> Operator, and all things above. Do you have oh, anything comrade. else? <laughs> comrade. <laughs> <laughs> I do. My questions aren't as serious, though. So mm-hmm. I was just Good. wondering, <laughs> what is your favorite fiction book? God, I, uh, I was going to say something and I would just alienate half the audience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really like, I mean, God, I'm going to pick something that I read, re- the most recent fiction book I read, but... um. I mean, I really like Alongside Night by J. Neil Shulman. You know, it's like 250 pages. Atlas Shrugged could have been, it proves that Atlas Shrugged could have been 250 pages. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a better version of Atlas Shrugged. But um, 
when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I read it twice. Was the book version of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and it's a good movie. It's it's actually a great movie, but the book has so much more in it. And I went on this thing when I was in high school of reading books that people had made into movies, and it's like so many people love Jaws. The book is so much better. Book, mm-hmm. Oh my god, there's like adultery in there, and all the, it's just like so much better amazing um so i don't know one flew over the cuckoo's nest when i read that in high school it really stuck with me because at that time i mean i didn't really think i was that smart a kid but i i started asking you know is why would places that are supposed to take care of people actually treat people badly yeah you know and so yeah, I think that I think that's a really good book. To, it's a short book, so anyone who wants to go back and read it, if they have some time, it's really good. And the um, but also alongside night, I mean, you can get first edition. You can get a first edition on eBay for ten bucks, and um, it's so much fun because it's just you. There is a version in there of like the Silk Road. It's like a physical version of the Silk Road in there where you could actually buy a tactical nuke. It's just so great. It's That's so, cool. you know, it was like you can tell like someone who knows all the inside jokes wrote this book. Awesome. Yeah. And it's so much fun. Yeah. That's cool. And then my other question is do you have a favorite ice cream? Rum raisin with real rum. <laughs> that sounds good. Awesome. I'm more of like a cookie dough type of person. Anything with like delicious chocolatiness and some vanilla ice cream mixed in and that you got me i have to keep ice cream out of the house because of you know certain other things i eat that make me hungry and uh, you know so (laughs) yeah understood an appetite enhancer i yeah i I have to make sure (laughs) i have to make sure that there's low-carb snacking options uh, available. So. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I understand completely. I would be literally a parade float if I, I mean, seriously. <laughs> I'd be a, a flat-out parade float. Like, one with the, the half gallon of ice cream, if that's, like, cookies and cream or some shit, goodbye. See ya. That's that's 1,500 or that 2,000 calories gone for the day. But uh, um, does anybody have anything else? Uh, last call? Anybody? Anybody at all? No. Uh, Pete, if you wouldn't mind giving our uh, our listeners all of your plugs, if you wouldn't mind. Okay. As far as the documentary goes, just go to themonopolyonviolence.com. You'll see the link to YouTube. There's a free download of it there in 720, 10 bucks for the 4K. And people can still donate. We didn't, we were out of, po- we're still out of pocket on that one. <laughs> we used every single dime and then money that we had. And we were, even some of the people who, d- donated large amounts we went to afterwards and said hey can we have some more money <laughs> in order to get that thing done um free man beyond the wall podcast obviously libertarian institute where you know scott horton started it with uh the, the late great will grigg and sheldon richmond and so sheldon's still over there the great kyle anzalone's over there too check that out and um i started a sub stack where i'm trying to write something every day post some memes on there it's basically a backup if uh the well well, inevitably when i get kicked off of social media i assume it's when i get kicked off of one platform every other platform will happen at the same time so uh, that's that's a backup but i'm trying to write there every single day write something write three or four hundred words every day just to um, keep people engaged and 
really try to get my opinion out there because you know the podcast is great but i do mostly interviews so i don't really get my opinion out there a lot so i'm going to try and do that a little bit more that's why i like coming on shows is to you know talk about stuff and really that's i mean i have patreon patreon.com forward slash mance raider subscribe star you look free man beyond the wall up there um and then yeah that's it that's yeah that should be it yeah. Excellent. And people are starting. And people are actually had a couple people leave Patreon and go to Subscribestar. Oh, very cool. Nice. Because yeah, I mean, let's face it, Patreon is. Uh, I mean, I have to have Ryan Dawson on one of these days to talk about Patreon because he uh, he knows a lot of that whole um, backstory with the lawsuits and everything like that. Yeah. Apparently, that's a pretty nefarious, pretty nefarious goings on over there. But they've been, they've left me alone since I've been on there, so kind of hard for me to complain. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I can uh, attest, like, I am a uh, a patron of Pete's. I highly recommend signing up. It's not a lot, and also put your money where your mouth is and be and go ahead and help these independent uh, content creators who are actually trying to do something good. Um, I'm not trying to tell people what to do, but, uh, you know, especially in the libertarian or anarchist community, you have some real titans out there, which, in my opinion, Pete is definitely one of them. Uh, you know, put your money where your mouth is, help out because there's excellent content out there and so many people are benefiting, including myself. Like I told you before, I, I would have never been introduced, uh, to so many different, uh, excellent writers and people who are so good on the history of so many topics that you talk about. Like we are all indebted to your research and to what you've done. And I'm, you know, this, you know, I'm Irish. I don't kiss anybody's fucking ass for nothing, but it's the truth. And thank you very much for, uh, for everything that you do for the community. Like uh, I, the, this podcast was, a, you're, you're a big inspiration as to why we're doing it. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you. And what I will say is too, is if you go to Patreon and you click on my name, you should be able to see who I give money to every month. And I think it's important for people to know that I give money to a lot of people. And then there's like the Mises Institute gets a large sum of money from me every month. I so I take the money that's given to me and I turn it right around and I, I give it to other people because there are people out there doing amazing things and they're not they're doing it for nothing. They're they're putting out free content, you know, and they need support. They really do. There's a lot of people out there that I I believe are right now doing have a full-time job and they're doing it part-time who deserve to be doing it full-time and they could really help a lot if they they could be full-time which is why i try to give as much as i can awesome i think that that's uh that's awesome that speaks a lot to your character as well as an individual so um everybody check it out please check out everything that pete has and um, you can find this uh, show. It'll be up on our YouTube and BitChute page. And uh, also you can find it on our website, useguyspod.com. But from all of us, thank you very much, Pete, for your time. Uh, we really appreciate it again, everything that you do. Thanks very much, man. Thank, thank you, guys. You. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Great. Wonderful awesome. meeting you. Yes, wonderful. All right, guys. Everybody take care of yourself. All right. Bye. Bye. Peace. Bye, guys. Care.